0: Good morning, church. You guys are looking good. I, I just got to say, it is so fun getting to follow Jesus Christ with all of you. What God is doing like in our midst is absolutely incredible. And uh, it's making some people ask some questions, actually. A few weeks ago, we had a lady and she came to our Sunday gathering. It was her first time. And afterwards, she kind of like pulled me aside and she asked me, where are you from? And I was like, kind of caught off guard, right? I was like, "Well, you know, my wife and I lived in Omaha for 8 years. We moved over here about a year ago. Before that, I was born and raised in Texas. Where where are all these people from?" And I was like, "Well, I, about 95% of us are from Council Bluffs or the surrounding towns in Southwest Iowa. How do you get all these people together?" And that's when it hit me. I was like, "Oh, this is a Jesus thing." This isn't me or Eric getting all these people together. This is Jesus. He's doing it. I think that lady was pleasantly surprised. I think something inside her was like looking for our secret sauce, right? Like, how do you do this? How do you make this happen? What is your secret sauce? I love secret sauces, don't you? And the best secret sauces are the secret sauces that are in recipes, Like, for example, there's a lady in our church named Kelly Pierce, and she makes these banana cookies that when you eat them, you pretty much feel like you're already in heaven, okay? I don't know what her secret sauce is, but it is incredible. Or my wife makes this chicken noodle soup, And she's probably had like 50 people ask her for the recipe. But she makes it a little different every time she makes it. And every time she puts in some sort of secret ingredient that even I, her husband, am not privileged to know what it is. And I I eat that soup and I'm like, oh, Jesus must have made this soup. Have you ever eaten something that just made you go, how did they do that? What is their secret sauce? Restaurants pick up on this, of course, like Chick-fil-A. They have their very own Chick-fil-A sauce because they can, right? It's their secret sauce. Or McDonald's, they literally inject an ingredient into their food that makes us crave it. It enhances taste and makes us want to come back to it. It is called dimethyl okay? Okay. Try saying that five times. They inject it into the food, and it triggers a response in your brain to crave that food. Okay, That is their secret ingredient, but now, because by law they have to reveal their ingredients, the secret's out. We know what you're doing, Mickey D's. You know what I mean? We love secret sauce, that special something that gets mixed into a recipe, whether it is grandma's pumpkin pie, or Peg's breakfast casseroles, or Qdoba's barbecue sauce. We love secret sauce. And this morning, I want to talk about God's secret sauce. Something that he has been pouring in and mixing in and developing so that we can look at God and say, you are incredible. How did you do that? This is a mystery of God that he has now chosen to reveal to us so that all of the world, you, me, All of humanity can look at God and say, you are brilliant. You are incredible. I want to ask and answer the question, what is God's secret sauce? And I think this is important for us because we want to be a church who lives and loves in such a way that our friends around us can't help but ask the question, what's different about you? What is God doing there? What makes this God thing so good? We want our city to crave God like we crave chicken nuggets, right? We want our friends to enjoy God like I enjoy Whitney's chicken noodle soup. We want our classmates and our coworkers to crave community just like I crave those banana cookies that Kelly Pierce makes and I wish I could be in her city group again and eat those for dessert. Are you tracking with me? We are a church that exists not just for ourselves. We are a church who is eager for our friends and family, our classmates and coworkers, to discover and enjoy God with us. So let's get to work discovering what is God's secret sauce. If you got your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 3. Paul, the guy who wrote this book, he talks a lot about mystery in this chapter. And by mystery, he just means something that was a secret or it was hidden, and now it's been revealed. Like McDonald's secret ingredient, which, by the way, kind of awkward, that same ingredient is used to make the foam in yoga mats. Sorry to run your Mickey D's experience, but it is the truth. So just like that's been revealed, that's what mystery means in Ephesians 3. Then we get to verses 8 through 10, where Paul gives us a glimpse into this mystery. Let's read it together. Verses 8 through 10. Paul says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery, the secret sauce, hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Let's say it this way. God's secret sauce is a delighted and diverse church. Okay. That is the entire message this morning boiled down to one sentence. You can write it down, make it your home screen on your phone, do whatever to remember it. God's secret sauce is a delighted and diverse church. Our friends and family, our classmates and coworkers, they will be drawn to God and attracted to God when we are delighted and diverse. So the first aspect of God's secret sauce is a delighted church, a happy church, a people who have a joy in their bones, a delight in their hearts, and a gladness in their lives. Now, let me show you where I get this word delighted because it's not straight from Scripture, right? Let me show you where I get it. Paul says that it had been given to him to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, so Paul was an avid church planner, an incredible preacher. He wrote three quarters of the New Testament of our Bibles. But Paul really only had one message at the end of the day. Just one thing. But that one thing had unending and unlimited riches. Jesus Christ. Paul only had one sermon he ever preached. Jesus. If he was a worship leader, he only had one song he ever sung. Jesus. When he wrote letters to all of his different churches that he planted, he only had one message to pass along to them. Jesus. Only one thing, but that one thing had unlimited and unending riches. Now let me ask you some questions. If I were to show up at your door tomorrow morning, we're going to dial the clock back a little bit. I show up at your door and I say, congratulations, it's me and Ed McMahon, and you've just won the Publisher's Clearinghouse, $10 million sweepstakes. How would you feel? Let's say you bought a lotto ticket tonight, right, Powerball or whatever, and then you watch the evening news and you realize you got all the numbers right, you see what is the jackpot, and it's $343 million. How would you feel? Let's say you go into the casino with 20 bucks and you walk out with $200,000 because you outsmarted the blackjack dealers, you outfaced the poker faces, and you guessed the right number on that little spinning wheel thingy. How would you feel? I would dare say you would feel delighted, right? Overjoyed, celebrating like it is 1999, right? You're going to throw a party like you got some money because you got some money, right? You're not going to sit like you're in a church pew having to listen to Preacher Man for another 20 minutes. You're going to like open the windows, turn up the tunes, invite your friends and family over for the best feast they've ever had, right? That is delight, Okay? And that's how we feel when we get riches, when we get a lot of money. Paul is saying that Jesus is unsearchable riches. More than 10 million from Ed McMahon, more than 343 million from The Lotto, and more than 200K from Horseshoe or Ameristar, Jesus is bankrolling and cash flashing and cha-chinging with unlimited, unending, unsearchable riches. Somebody say amen. I think, I think that was coming. Okay. Now, this doesn't mean that you get rich quick if you follow Jesus, right? Like, Paul didn't preach unsearchable riches from Jesus, like he's an ATM and we have no withdrawal limit. No, this means that when you follow Jesus, you get the greatest treasure ever known to man. Paul preached the unsearchable riches of Christ. Better than an ATM, we get the banker right? Only in Jesus can we find unsearchable riches that will satisfy our souls and make us content in any circumstance in life, glad in any chapter of your life story and satisfied in any season of the year. The unsearchable riches of Christ create a delighted people, a delighted church. So I've got to ask City Light, are you satisfied with Jesus? Are you delighting in Jesus. We were talking about this a couple weeks ago in Citigroup, and it kind of like took me back to my college days, and I was kind of a self-righteous kid in college, okay? Like, it wasn't that cool. Um, I would see people driving by in nice new cars, and I'd be like, oh, they spent too much money on that. They must not really love Jesus, right? Isn't that terrible? Like, I thought everybody should drive Pintos for Jesus, But now that I'm in my mid-30s married with five kids, I can't tell you how badly I crave a new car or a new truck, you know? Like we already have two cars and they run great, you know, great gas mileage. They keep us warm in the winter and keep us cool in the summer. But I want more. I want bigger. I want better. I went from thinking that everybody should drive Pintos for Jesus to craving a brand new truck. And my daydreams, you got to understand this, my daydreams are specific, baby, okay? I'm talking about a Ford F-250 Super Duty, okay? Roll-up bed cover, black wheels on a black body with a little bit of chrome on it so that it shines when I'm back into the grass parking lot here at Sherwood. That's what I'm talking about, okay? Now, here's what this tells me, though. This tells me that my heart yet isn't satisfied with Jesus, right? I get more excited daydreaming about this truck than I do when I read my Bible. Can I be honest? Can we be honest? Now, I'm not saying that you all have to go sell your trucks, though if you want to give it to me, I'll I'll receive it. In the name of Jesus, I'll receive that. What I'm keying in on is my emotional reaction to that truck, my craving. I get more excited about the possibility of a new truck than I delight in the unsearchable riches of Jesus. That's me, and I've got to ask, how about you? Are you satisfied with Jesus? Are you delighting in Jesus? An integral and essential aspect of God's secret sauce, of our friends and family, our classmates and co workers, seeing Jesus and being drawn to Jesus is our own joy in Jesus. Oh, City Light, may God stir up in our hearts this deep delight in Jesus Christ, that we would be enthralled with his unsearchable riches and set free from the dwindling riches of our daydreams. Amen, church? Amen. The first aspect of God's secret sauce is a delighted church. The second aspect of God's secret, church, uh, secret sauce is a diverse church. Go back to Ephesians 3, verse 8, and notice who Paul preached these unsearchable riches to. It says he preached them to the Gentiles. Now back up a couple more verses to verse 6, where Paul spells it out even more plainly for us. He says, this mystery, this secret sauce, is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Let me explain this really quick. Gentiles are were and are everyone who is not Jewish, okay? For thousands of years, God's plans, purposes, and promises were all about and through the Jewish people. They were the stuff. They were the chosen people, the special ones. But now he's saying that the Gentiles get to be a part of it. And we hear the word Gentiles, and it really just doesn't mean that much to us. But to the Jewish people, Gentiles was a dirty word for dirty people. In the Hebrew, it's the word gohim, and it literally means unclean, dirty, stinky, like you haven't had a bath in a few weeks and you've got some stinky B.O. That is what Gentiles mean, and now God is saying that these Gentiles, which is us, church, right? Unless you're Jewish, this is us. These Gentiles, the dirty people, are being brought in and are made a part of God's plan and promises because when Jesus died on the cross, it was for their sins as well. The Jewish people would not have liked to hear this. It'd be like me going to a group of United States Marines and saying, guys, I finally got it. God showed it to me. The Taliban freedom fighters and the ISIS terrorist warriors, they get to be a part of what we're doing in Christ. It'd be like me going to a bunch of dogs and if I could speak dog, telling them, hey, dogs, guess what? All the cats get to be a part of what we're doing in Christ, right? They did not want to hear this news It's like finding out that McDonald's secret ingredient is used to make foam for yoga mats. It's not appetizing, right? So what can we take away from this? I want you to hear this, church. God is passionate for, and Jesus died for, diversity in his church. And when it happens, it is so shocking and surprising that the people around us, our city, will take notice God is passionate for, and Jesus died for diversity in his church. Jesus died for you, and he died for people who were very unlike you. Jesus is thrilled and he is glad to save you and forgive your sins. And he is also glad and thrilled to save people who speak a different language, maybe have a different skin color, come from a different background, think through a different worldview from you. God is passionate for and Jesus died for diversity in his church. So get this, okay? At the end of time, when all is said and done, our rich Jesus is going to throw an epic forever feast, better than anything you've ever had at a family reunion or the Golden Corral buffet. He's going to throw this feast, and we're going to be singing songs to him on his throne. One of the songs we're going to sing from Revelation 5, verse 9 and 10 says this, Worthy are you, Jesus To take the scroll and open its seals. Essentially, that just means worthy are you, Jesus, to be in charge of heaven. Why? For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So when it's all said and done, and we're singing to our rich Jesus, one of the highlights of that song is going to be God's secret sauce that he ransomed and he saved people from every tribe, language, tongue, ethnicity. And then he takes that people, diverse as it is, and he makes them into a kingdom and a priest for the worship of God. And then that same people, diverse as they are, reign and rule on the earth as his church. God is passionate for, and Jesus died for diversity in his church. So what does this mean for us, right? city Light church, Council Bluffs. The reality is that according to the U.S. census, 91% of our city is white, right? We're, we're, we live in a non-diverse city. Most of them are English speakers, dual-income families, the reality is that most of us in this room are part of that majority culture, which means most likely we very rarely, if ever, actually think about diversity. And I love who we are and how God has brought all of us together from different backgrounds. But I think the truth is, the reality is, diversity isn't going to be easy for us, City Light. Okay. What I want you to hear is, that's not our fault. It's not our fault that we live in a city that is 90% White middle class English speakers. It's not our fault that we're all, most of us are middle class. It's not our fault that we're all gathered together in this same church. None of that is our fault, but it is our privilege and our responsibility to pursue diversity in this church together. It is our responsibility to take some steps, whether small steps or big steps, to pursue this diversity that God is passionate for and Jesus died for. And when we get this diversity, our city will take notice. So it's not our fault, but it gets to be our responsibility. Let me ask, without dropping guilt on us, what are some steps that we actually can take? I want to give you three steps that I think any of us can take, okay? Step number one that any of us can take is this. In your workplace, develop a relationship with someone who is unlike you. They might speak a different language or live in a different part of the city, have a different skin color. In your workplace, develop a relationship with someone unlike you. Pray about it, and then with intention, build a relationship with them. Take breaks together, talk together, find a common interest, and build a relationship. Step number two that I think any of us can take, in your city group, Intentionally pursue diversity, okay? Whether that's different generations, different language, ethnicities, um, in your city group, intentionally pursue diversity. This is one of the things that I love about the city group that I get to be a part of. In our city group, there's quite a few different ages and stages of life, from older families with kids to younger families with kids to married without kids to engaged to singles. We kind of got a broad age range in there. And I love it because when things pop up and, you know, we're facing something in our marriage, we get a diversity of perspectives speaking into us. We learn the wisdom of God better because of the diversity in our city group. In your city group, pursue diversity together. And then let me just throw this out there just because it's been on my heart and I want to see what God does with it. If you are interested in helping us launch a Spanish-speaking city group, I'd love to talk to you afterwards, right? I just think that'd be awesome to like, get into the Latino culture, speak some Spanish, and make some disciples. I personally, I only know five words in Spanish, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, and cinco, okay? Now, if you, know, if you know more Spanish, and you want to help us launch a city group, please find me afterwards, and let's talk. In your city group, pursue diversity. Third step that I think any of us can take. On Sunday mornings, come looking for diversity, not just similarity, Okay? And this is going to take some effort. It's going to take eyes open to find people who are unlike you, but come early or stay late and find someone who's different from you and build a relationship with them. Start a conversation with them. My friend Chuck Kaiser is incredible with this. Every Sunday, I kind of watch Chuck, and he's like meeting different people, at least two to three people every Sunday, and they're always different from him, maybe older than him or younger than him from a different part of town, of a different ethnicity. He's always pursuing and meeting new people. Most of them are smarter than him and better looking than him, okay? Just kidding, bro. I love you. I would never pick a fight with you, just so you know. Okay, but here's why Chuck does this, okay? Here's what I know about Chuck. He is not in a business where if you sign up under him, he gets 10% of your income, so he's trying to meet people at church and build his business. That's not Chuck. Chuck meets these people and builds these relationships because he's convinced that God is passionate for, and Jesus died for diversity in his church. So one step he knows that he can take is, let's go meet people unlike me. And church, seriously, any of us, any of us can take these steps and do the same thing. I want to be clear. If you are white and middle class in our church, then any lack of diversity in our church is not your fault, okay? Not at all. Zip, o, none, not at all. It is not your fault. It's not my fault, right? But it is our joyful privilege and responsibility to get to pursue this diversity together. And when we accept this diversity as our responsibility, the Bible says our city is going to take notice. The people around us are going to be compelled by that diversity. Start asking questions and we can point them to Jesus Christ. This is why we planted this church, so that the city of Council Bluffs can see, know, discover, and enjoy Jesus Christ. And one simple but crucial step for us to get there is let's pursue diversity together. Let's take these steps together. God's secret sauce is a delighted and diverse church a people who are enthralled with the unsearchable riches of Jesus and a people who reflect the heart of God with different ethnicities and backgrounds and ages in their church. Only Jesus can pull that off. Only Jesus can make that happen. And when he does, people will take notice. But it's not just people. It's not only our city who will take notice. The Bible says someone else will see this when it happens. Go in your Bibles to verse 10. Ephesians 3, verse 10, we'll conclude with this. It says, so that through the church, the delighted and diverse church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known, right, revealed to whom? The rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Who are these rulers and authorities in the heavenly places? Later on in Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to find out that this Is Satan and his demons. Our spiritual enemies. So listen, City Light, when we intentionally pursue a deep delight in Jesus and a beautiful diversity in our church, you can rest assured that Satan will come against us with everything that he's got. He sees what we are doing, he is against it, and he will throw fear, blame, confusion, division, and all sorts of lies at us to try to get us distracted and throw us off track. He isn't a fan of delight in Jesus or diversity in the church, and he will come against us with everything he's got. I don't know about you, but in my own life, one of the most difficult things to do is actually nurture a deep delight in Jesus. Right? Like my iPhone, my job, my family, my daydreams, they're all so much easier to get excited about and focus on. And I know that Satan's going to come against me when I pursue that delight in Jesus. He's going to come against me with everything I've got to distract me from Christ and instead get my heart and my eyes on something else. And I think you would agree, diversity isn't that easy. It takes work. We will make mistakes. It's a lot easier just to keep hanging out with people who are exactly like you. And hear me, I'm an introvert. It's a lot easier to hang out with me in a good book instead of build new relationships, especially with someone who is unlike me. City Light, this process will not be easy, but here's what I know for sure Jesus died for it. Jesus spilled his blood for this. Just like verse 6 says, how does this happen? Through the gospel, Jesus died to delight your soul and diversify our church. And when he died, it wasn't an attempt at delight and diversity, but it was the guarantee that it most certainly will happen. And when it happens, oh, so you like, listen, when this happens in you and me, when this happens in the heartland of America, when this happens in Council Bluffs, when it happens in your heart and my heart, it's going to be Beautiful. It's going to be incredible, just like grandma's pumpkin pie, like Qdoba's barbecue sauce, like banana cookies, or chicken noodle soup, or Jesus' very own epic forever feast. We will taste it, we will enjoy it, and our response will be our response will be: you are incredible. You are amazing. How did you do that? Jesus. Amen, church? Amen.